0: Did you catch in this passage that Terry read for us this morning that the storm kicked up suddenly? Everything was calm, and then boom, there was a storm that made everyone freak out. Have you ever had this happen in your life? When I got word that my dad had terminal brain cancer, all of a sudden, boom, everything flipped upside down. Storm hit. Maybe global financial crisis. Where would my retirement go? What about my job? Boom, the storm hits suddenly. But I've also wondered, as I've thought about this passage, and maybe particularly for us on the east side, if there's a reality where life feels like a constant storm. You ever feel tired or stressed out? You got more to do than you have time to do it. I think of a student, I'm the youth pastor here, and I was having a conversation with him because he looked so tired, and I said, Are you how are you doing? He's like, Yeah, I'm really stressed. Well, why are you stressed out? And he described the leadership activities he was involved in at school. He's also involved in helping out with things here at the church. Just took on a few extra things. Sports are about to start. And he's also trying to do the best he can academically because he said he wants to stand out amongst his peers. And I said, well, why are you doing all this? Well, I want to get into the college of my choice so that I can choose. It's not just getting into college, but I can get into the best college and then get the best job and then be able to provide the best for my family, and then I'll be able to have the best life. So I asked him, well, how's that working out for you now? (laughs) And he said, life sucks. (laughs) And this is the reality of what we often are dealing with with our, our youth here, where we will, I even say, take them away and detox them to camp or for a weekend retreat, away from the busyness of life. And they'll start connecting with each other, an intimate relationship, They'll encounter God, hear his voice, experience him as near, and I watch before my eyes as they come alive. And then often we take them back home, and the busyness of life or the pressures they feel here is really like taking a coal away from the fire. And it may take a little while, but eventually the warmth and the heat of that coal starts to go out. The disciples had a storm hit, and they did not realize who was in the boat with them. Did you catch what Jesus was doing? That he was asleep. Why is he asleep? Well, I think it's because the guy's tired. <laughs> he's been He's been if you read the passages before preaching and preaching and he's been ministering to multitudes and whole crowds of people are starting to gather and press up against him to receive what he has. And he's willingly giving it to him. But there's actually right before this passage a moment where a large crowd comes and Jesus says, hey, guys, let's go to the other side of the lake. Basically saying, I need a break. And so as soon as they get in the boat, he falls asleep. And then do you notice the disciples' response at the end of the passage when they are surprised when he calms the storm? What kind of man is this? They don't say, what kind of God is this? They say, what kind of man is this? Because for the disciples, it was easy for them to believe that Jesus was a man. But it was a jump to go to him being God. Now, he was the Lord, so he was the Messiah. But to them, that meant the man of God, the one filled with the spirit to deliver Israel, which was different to them than God being son. And you can think about it if you imagine life for them. They spent a lot of time with Jesus. So they would eat fish with him, and I'm sure Jesus had some fish breath. And they would walk everywhere. I mean, miles, it sounds like, according to the stories of Scripture. And it was hot. And I'm sure Jesus sweat, and he probably had some B.O. He went to the bathroom. He had to take naps. He had to sleep at night. He was a man. Now, for us, I think it may be the opposite reality. We don't realize who's with us in our storms today. We can go, yeah, well, he was the son of God. And of course, that's because that's how he was able to calm the storms and cast out the demons and heal the sick. He was the son of God, right? But it's a little different maybe for us to start to try to grasp Jesus as a man. And what's so significant and what I hear in this passage for us today is that the son of God became the son of man so that. The sons and daughters of man or humanity, who's that? That's us, could become the sons and daughters of God. That's a very loaded statement, so I'm going to say it one more time. The son of man emptied himself, became the form of a servant, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, became the form of a man, so that we, sons and daughters of humanity, could become the sons and daughters of God. And when we grasp that, from my experience, it changes everything. And to help us grasp it, I'm going to try to illustrate this and hope that it makes sense. Scott's running for cover. <laughs> imagine, if you will, everybody in the front row is worried now. Imagine, in the front, imagine, if you will, that this is us, humanity. And this picture here, this is God. And he is filled with his love, his presence, his Holy Spirit. Okay, now there's a reality in the Garden of Eden where humanity, Adam and Eve, had a relationship with God that was very much like this. They could receive his love, experience his presence. It says they walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. But there was a point in their relationship with him when they started to listen to another voice that said, hey, try this, the voice of the serpent. And so they stepped away from God and from this flow. And the result of that is something like this. where we experience a brokenness in our life. And this is what happens because of that. As God continues to pour his love into us, the story the Bible tells us, the reality is, is we feel like that love isn't going in, we're not experiencing it, something's off. And the real- often we find ourselves feeling empty or something similar to that. And in response, most of us will then try to find something to fill us. And Scott's been talking about that in his sermon series on surrender. So I won't go into the details too much except to bring the twigs back the twigs that he used to symbolize what we were surrendering. And so often we'll go and we'll try to find other ways to make sense of life, to get through what we're going through, to handle the storm, and fill ourselves up with these twigs. And Scott's broken those down for us. I've actually got water running down my head. God's love gets everywhere. But it never fully satisfies us, and it can get in the way of us experiencing and be able to receive God's love even more. But watch what happens. When Jesus comes, do you notice what he looks like? Us. Son of God became the son of man. And he had this relationship with the father through the spirit where he would pour his love into Jesus. And he experienced him and followed his ways and met with him. And then this started to happen. Every time people would come near to Jesus, they would experience his love. Experience God's love experience God's presence. The kingdom of heaven would come and be near, and people would get splashed on, if you will, out of the overflow of God's love in Jesus. So the Son of God became the Son of Man, and this is what happens to us when we enter into relationship with Christ. We become the sons and daughters of God. Need a little bit more of God's love. If I was a stronger guy, I'd have a bigger pitcher. <laughs> and he would now pour in his love to us. And what do we experience? It fills us, fills us, fills us. And three things that I want to mention today happen. One is more buoyant twigs would actually come flying out. And we would have this ability to surrender those things we once went to. And we'd be free to experience his love more. And then it says in John 14, 12, you, Jesus says, will do the things that I have done. And even greater things. Because we start to overflow with God's love. People come near to us and they experience it and are healed and set free. And then also we have this relationship, the exact relationship that Jesus had with God. Where we hear his voice, we feel his touch, we experience his presence pouring into us. But... If you're like me, sometimes when the storms hit, we run for cover, evacuate, run for your lives. And sometimes we'll step out of this love and try to go somewhere, maybe to the twigs, the things we surrendered, to try to get through the storms. Yeah? This ever happened to you? Now, what's happening to God's love? It's still pouring out. It's not dependent on us coming to it to start happening. It's still pouring out. And what's it like in our relationship with Jesus? We are still in Christ when we run. But, oh, isn't it so much better? Imagine the water still (laughs) pouring. Isn't it so much better to be here, to be receiving his love and in the overflow? I would say, yeah. What would you think? Now, what would that look like, you might want to ask? And that's a really good question. And one that I don't feel like I know how to answer in a few minutes, except to maybe give a few examples Uh, from my life this week a lot of it comes down to receiving his love not trying to go get it but actually stepping back and receiving it and as I've um, been in a situation this week where I've been in conflict with somebody anybody ever been in conflict with someone in their life and do you ever find yourself doing this having conversations in your head about the person they're not there but you're having the argument with them and you're actually winning the argument because you're making such profound points (laughs) and eventually they hit the point where like you're right I was wrong and I'm really sorry and you're like yes and in that, that's actually me, if you will, having a storm of conflict and relationship, running to try to figure it out myself, try to take control, try to use my skills to be able to make it happen. And what I found myself doing this week and applying this is actually stepping back into God's spirit into his flow. And in that place, I started talking to God about the relationship rather than to this person who wasn't even in the room and started to surrender it to him. Or have you ever found yourself in situations where you have more to do then you have time to do it. That was me this Friday, which is usually my day off, and I had too much to do, so I needed to come in and do some extra work. And when I'm in that place, usually I'm just running around, anybody? Trying to get the work done as quickly as you possibly can, right? Because if I just get it done, then I can relax. And when I find myself, and sometimes be able to apply this principle of stepping back into the flow and receiving from God's love, for me, it's, I think, different for all of us, is before I start running out the door to do it all, is to actually sit down, and usually I'll put on some worship music and start to listen for God to speak to me. Now, it's taken a while for me to learn how to hear his voice and to even expect him to come when I, when I sit in that place to receive from him. But so far, as I've learned to be able to meet with him more, he continues to meet me in that place. And it starts to shift my whole day. And then I go out and start moving in step with him. And there are situations where he may... Completely calm the storm. But he also may come near to us and be with us in a way we'll, we'll have what it takes to endure the storm. Like the morning that my dad died. And I sat in a room with him. His, his body was still warm. It was so recent. And I just lost my father. But in that place, I experienced the heavenly father's love pour into me. I don't know how to describe it any other way than I, expe- I actually felt his tangible embrace. And I was able to move through it. Even though I had prayed for my dad to be healed, and God did not calm the storm that way, he was meeting with me to be able to help me move through it. And then there's also the reality, if we do receive his love and start to follow Jesus, he was a suffering servant, and often would go straight into storms to be able to set other people free. And my experience is is that this sometimes will come at a cost. Uh, In my life, I've ended up doing less and trusting more to be able to spend more time with God in receiving from his presence. And I think in our culture, and the pressures that we feel to do more, it may come at a significant cost. But five weeks ago, I just had a baby girl. Maybe I should say my wife had a baby girl, and i got to be careful <laughs> with everything I'm going to say at this point on because it's much more for her. But she has caused a total storm in our life. Thousands of dollars in medical bills, I stand before you completely sleep-deprived. I was up three times last night. It's been five straight weeks. Uh, Baby girls, babies, every three hours they get up to be fed and do other things. And when I don't get sleep, I get sick. So I've had a headache almost every day. And sometimes they've turned into migraines. One was so bad I threw up, blew a blood vessel, started throwing up blood and had to go to the ER. So just constant storm. And you know what? I don't care. Because I've got this 22-inch, 10-pound, beautiful, blue-eyed baby girl. And she just looks at me and looks around and doesn't do anything else really. And she does some other stuff we won't get into. And I melt being in her presence. Being with her, it does not matter what it costs to have her. And I've experienced that same reality in my relationship with God. When he says, you are my son, Greg, and I want to be with you and fill you with my presence like I did with Jesus. And I'd almost do anything if I have that. So you join me in prayer?